Mysterious Circumstances is an American Crimecast production. Remember, everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Hey everybody, this is Justin. Welcome to Mysterious Circumstances Podcast. Uh, we have a pretty, pretty good show for you today, and I actually feel bad because I had never heard of this case before. Uh, Robert suggested it, and you guys actually voted for it uh, in the group. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the disappearance and the assumed murder of the Jameson family out of Oklahoma back in 2009. Um, first, I do have to give out some uh, some hellos and some reviews, and uh, KCR, who actually stopped by the uh, Facebook page and uh, on iTunes and left a review for me. Uh, I greatly appreciate that. It just says uh, nothing but love for the podcast. Uh, she's been a listener for quite a long time, and uh, she just goes on to say, you know, much love. She she loves the topics, and you know, I'm not over uh, dramatized. I really don't do a lot of uh, flashy shit on this podcast, as you guys know. So thank you, KCR, again for stopping by uh, and leaving reviews on both of those. Next one's from Jill in Indiana, uh, five stars. Says, really like how you include listeners in some of the episodes. You're funny and smart and make interesting points. Um, Go Hoosiers. Damn right. It's basketball season here in Indiana, folks. I don't know about the smart and funny part. I mean, I have my moments, but, you know, they're few and far between. Uh, so next one up is Boone Hunt and uh, says keep up keep it up buddy I look forward to seeing this grow P.S. Sexy Voice LOL uh, Boone Boone is actually a friend of mine he is a childhood friend I grew up with this dude uh, he's actually in the group and he actually likes the podcast so I think it's pretty cool I actually got a friend who actually listens to it you know so thanks Boone for the review I imagine I'll see you next Sunday other than that, I had some stop by the Facebook page, leave reviews. Uh, Adela, I believe is how you pronounce your first name, says, Love the podcast and time is spent to research topics. Uh, it's not overproduced, and I like that. I don't care if you have a beer or sig when podcasting, and I love that you tell people if they don't like it to move on. Keep up the good work. Well, Adela, that one is for you. Yeah, drinking Modelo today because I feel classy. No, not really, but it really is Modelo. Uh, next one up is Kathleen Kurtz. I appreciate uh, you leaving a review. It says, just discovered the podcast a few days ago, and I've been binge listening. Great case choices. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, this episode was actually not my choice, so you got to thank your fellow listeners for that one. Um, and uh, what took you so long to find the podcast? Come on. Uh, next up, Stacy Rich. Thank you very much, Stacy. Says, I can't expound further. Top three fave. Um, you must listen to some really, really bad podcasts if I have in the top three of your favorites. Uh, there's a lot better podcasts out there in mine, but I do appreciate that compliment. Thank you very much. Uh, next up's Aaron. Uh, new favorite podcast. Uh, he goes on to just say... Uh, that he likes the rather unknown cases, which this year I will be doing some known cases, but obviously I'll be hitting them really, really hard. So, um, 
just says keep up the good work and uh, says I'm gaining steam and I appreciate that thank you very much Aaron next up is well was Casey and she uh, she left the same one and much love back to Casey she's a longtime listener and thank you very much next up uh, we got from Toronto uh, I think Manu or Manu I'm sorry dude because I'm probably butchering your name right there but uh much love right back to Toronto. I do love the Canadian listeners, and I will be getting a Canadian story here fairly shortly. So I'll be uh, dedicating to all you folks up there. Uh, thanks a lot for leaving the review. Uh, next up is my dude Jason Borders. He he says uh, he's actually a native of Kentucky, lives up in the Pacific Northwest now. And says uh, I remind him of uh, being back home and talking to one of his sick friends about sick things especially when we're both cracking beers at the same time. See you on the flip side. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I uh, social media-wise, I'm on Instagram. And if you're on there, you know, obviously you can follow me if you want to. Uh, but Jason Borders is a phenomenal artist. Seriously phenomenal artist. Um, you should definitely follow him and check out his stuff. All his stuff is for sale. And it is seriously awesome. So... Thanks, Jason. I appreciate you leaving that review, dude. Other than that, I think, sorry about the, uh, you know, five minutes of going over stuff, but I like saying hi to everybody who says hi to me, so that's just the way it is. Let's go ahead and get into this case here. Okay, so so this episode is, by the way, going to be a two-parter. You are going to get part one today and uh, part two here in a couple days. Is This is basically because this is pretty much two cases rolled into one. Uh, we're going to do like a timeline of events and I'm going to explain to you what's going on uh, during this timeline of part one. And part two is going to be uh, maybe a few more facts and pretty much all theories because there's a lot of information going on in the theories. So let's go ahead and get this thing rocking. On October 8th, 2009, in Eufaula, Oklahoma, uh, Bobby Jameson, aged 44, uh, sh- his wife Sherilyn Jameson, aged 40, and their daughter Madison Stormy Star Jameson, aged 6, which I love that name, that's awesome, basically loaded up their truck, just full of a bunch of random belongings, and headed to Red Oak, Oklahoma, to look at some property uh, that they were planning on purchasing. Now, there's a lot of weird things going on here. This is a very, very weird case. Now, because of surveillance footage at their house, they had, and it should be known, that they owned a $300,000 lakefront home. Um, and that included, like, two timeshares in Mexico and other various timeshares around the U.S. So they had plenty of places to go. This was their main house. Now, what they were planning on doing was they had a shipping container that was converted into a pretty much a tiny little house. And they were going to buy this property in the middle of absolutely nowhere and move into this shipping container, pretty much making them off the grid. Um, Now, the weird thing is, like like I was talking about surveillance footage, when they're loading up their vehicle... They're acting very, very strangely. Um, they are loading the truck back and forth f- 
from the house to the truck and the truck was a late models late model gmc um i believe it was a half ton i could be wrong on that uh but they're loading up this truck him and his wife uh bobby and Sherilyn. And I really didn't hear anything about the daughter being in the video, what she was doing. So I'm not exactly sure on her location at this time. Bobby and Sherilyn are loading this vehicle and they're going back and forth inside the house to the truck at least, they said, 20 times each. And not only are they doing this, but they're not even acknowledging each other's presence. They are literally passing each other, walking back and forth from the house to the truck, not even looking at each other, not nodding at each other, not talking to each other, nothing. Just not even looking at each other. They're going back and forth. There's a lot of theories on, you know, what this weirdness is, and we'll probably touch a little bit of base on that here in a second. But it's really weird when they're loading up this truck because as they're doing that they're actually taking some of the stuff that's already in the truck back into the house so it's almost like they're faking looking busy or something like that it's really really odd you can catch like still pictures and some clips of it uh on the internet but it is it's very odd it should be known here okay because one of the one of the bigger theories is involving drugs now some of the speculation on why they're acting this weird is because the husband Bobby was in a car crash uh, years earlier and he he apparently got into this crash pretty bad uh, he was hit his vehicle was hit with two separate cars so because of this Bobby was on prescription painkillers I couldn't really find which kind um, I mean they're all probably doing the same job you know trying to kill pain I can understand him acting weird because he's on this medication and he's taking it because you take painkillers for long enough, your body starts adapting to them. Therefore, it takes more to kill the pain. It's just like anything else. Um, you know, he could have been zoned out, just zoned out on these painkillers, which that is a side effect sometimes when you take enough or you, maybe you take, you know, one or two extra that you don't need or, or a handful extra, whatever. But that doesn't explain his wife. His wife is actually on certain medications for uh, depression and severe bipolar disorder. I could not find info on what kind of medication she was on. Um, if anybody out there knows it, please, you know, post it in the in the Facebook page or whatever in the group or something. Um, but do you really think they both took? enough pills to be zoned out doing this weird shit at the same exact time not likely another tiny little snippet of a theory is that this is a very um a very dense population of meth users and for those of you who don't know what methamphetamine is you should probably get out of that rock that you're living on i don't know or living in i should say because you know the shit's pretty damn it's like a plague it really is uh, i'm from the midwest so it's it's definitely serious and this was a very high uh you know meth usage area uh whatever you want to call it and there were rumors um that bobby and Sherilyn actually were on uh actually were using meth now after the investigation 
later on, I mean, they searched their house. They're, they found no evidence of any kind of uh, paraphernalia or meth-related anything anywhere around the house. So it's pretty much pure hearsay at this point in time. But it was actually hearsay by more than one person. So take that as you will. Now what they were doing was they're loading up this truck. They get the daughter. I mean, they're loading up clothes, boxes, all kinds of stuff. And they're heading out to Red Oak, Oklahoma. And they're planning on purchasing uh, 40 acres out there. They were going to move a shipping container out in the middle of the woods and pretty much live out there off the grid. Now, some of you might be wondering about the daughter, blah, blah, blah. They pulled her out of kindergarten to actually start homeschooling her. So she was currently not in school. Um, if you're wondering about the Jameson's jobs, they were both on disability from what I understand. Uh, the husband's car accident screwed up his back so bad that he could not work. Uh, yeah, we'll get into the theories about how in the hell they could afford a $300,000 house and uh, various timeshares on disability, but we will definitely touch base on that later. After the truck was given back to the family, what else was found in the truck was $32,000 in cash tucked up under the seat in a bag. It, you know, that's pretty interesting right there. I'm just giving you the facts and some of the evidence on what was found in the vehicle and uh, all that good stuff. So, like I was saying, keep in mind, keep all this in mind. Truck was found abandoned. Keys were inside. Doors were locked. They had the wallets, which were in plain view with money still in them. They had the cell phones, IDs, GPS system. $32,000 in cash, their dog, Maisie, who was almost starved to death, who, like I said, ended up living. The only the only reason the dog lived, actually, is uh, by eating his own feces and drinking its own urine. But, hey, you gotta survive, you know? Uh, their coats were actually still in the truck as well. All this stuff was in the truck. The authorities actually searched for about eight to nine months. There were more than 300 uh, police and volunteers, uh, some of which were on horseback and ATVs, uh, because like I said, this was very rugged terrain around here. Uh, it was actually October, so it's hard telling how well they probably could have gotten around because it was probably very, there's probably a lot of moisture, probably rained a lot uh, about that time of year. They also used drones to help look for them and tracker dogs. Uh, not so much cadaver dogs, but tracker dogs. Now, when their truck is found, it's in the middle of the road. Um, you know, rough terrain, dirt road. It's literally, I wouldn't even say it's big enough for two cars. It is that narrow of a, of a dirt road. But on each side of this, where the actual road is, it's like straight down at least three feet. Now, the reason I bring that up is because one of the clues is that the tracker dogs that they had brought in, because the Jamesons had, uh, they had changed clothes several times while they were gone, they gave those to the tracker dogs to track them down. They actually tracked them to a nearby water tank. Now, I'm not sure how far away this water tank was. I tried finding out, and I could not find it. But it should be known that the scent was very strong, and when it got to the water tank, the scent actually died. They would, you know, there was no signs of foul play anywhere. 
you know, you have the picture, you have that missing piece. There were some pill bottles in there, um, but both of them had prescription pills or prescriptions for pills. So investigators really didn't think that was weird. I mean, there was a lot of them in there, but they could have accumulated over time. So, you know, we can always get more into that in the theory section. So after eight or nine months of searching, they go ahead and call off the search. Uh, Nothing is found. They have those few clues to go on. There's no fingerprints in the truck whatsoever. No signs of a struggle, all that stuff. Uh, They pretty much have nothing. So they call an end to the search. And with the exception of, you know, uh, something on the news every now and then, nothing happens. I mean, the case pretty much goes cold. All right, until November 15th, 2013, when three hunters are walking through the woods about nine miles south of Kenta, Oklahoma, which is an area that is roughly 2.7 miles away from where their abandoned truck was found. Uh, The hunters are an adult male, an adult female, and a child. I'm not sure the child's age. Uh, but they are walking through the woods. They are hunting deer. And the male, the adult male hunter, uh, notices what might look like a skull laying on the ground. Uh, it was on the surface. The male hunter kind of kicks it with his foot and notices that there's an eye socket. So this is definitely a skull. He motions over to his female companion who is there. And she, before she can even call the cops or anything of that nature, she notices a femur bone that is laying there as well, right right next to it. So the male hunter says, you know, get the child and get out of here and call the cops. Well, as they turn around, they spot yet another skull laying right there in that general vicinity. They call the cops. There's a little bit of a jurisdictional dispute at first, but they do come out, and it is two adult skeletons along with a child skeleton. The the uh, the two adult skeletons are a male and a female, and it is automatically assumed that it is the Jamesons. They do some forensic testings. They don't they don't actually find out until 2014. Uh, that it was the Jamesons. That's when it is confirmed through uh, DNA testing. Uh, but the bodies pretty much were were skeletal. The cause of death still remains unknown. Uh, it remains unknown because the only piece of evidence that they had on the skulls was a small hole in the adult male's in Bobby's head in his skull. So. The police seem to think that when the bodies were actually found, that is by that time animals had chewed that small hole in there. Now the farmer who, or the farmer, my fault, the uh, the hunter who actually found the skeleton disagrees with the with this. He blatantly disagrees with this. He says there's no way that has to be a uh, a bullet wound. He's like there's there's no animal that's going to chew, you know, a hole through a skull like that. Not in a few years. After that is when the real mystery begins. Because when we start getting into the theories about this, you're going to find out a whole bunch more information. But for now, this is the end of part one, and I will see you guys in a couple days. Till then, see you on the flip side.